you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church. Listen, church, uh, praise the Lord. I finally get to be back with you. It's like been two, I guess two weeks, I guess, since I've gotten to, to minister here on a Wednesday. Glory to God. One of my favorite services of of the week. You say, why is that? Because usually people got to be hungry if they're going to come on a Wednesday. Amen. Why? Because there's football on. Hallelujah. There's all the good stuff going on. And it's, uh, yeah, you got you to be hungry if you're going to be in church. Amen. But praise God for it. Praise God for it. Now, the last time I was here, the last time I was here, we were teaching on, I was trying to close up a wee little series we're in, and I thought it was going to be just a, maybe a, a, you know, a one-off or maybe a two-week message, but the Lord has continued to kind of expand it here, and it's, it's on this series of, Whom Do You Say That I Am? Right? Whom do you say that I am? Which is a, a question that Jesus began to ask his disciples. And it's the same thing that he began to ask us. This, this came off the backside of a prophetic word that went off on Sunday morning uh, as the Holy Spirit spoke through Bridget, as a matter of fact. And, and he asked us these two questions. He said, who do you say that I am? Whom do you say that I am? And then secondly, what do you do with it? What do you do with it? What do, what do you do with that knowledge? What do you do with that revelation? Amen. Now, as we said many times here in, in this house, listen, you can, get, you can get every question right. Amen. But if you get this wrong, if you get this one question wrong, listen, church, it, it spells an eternity separated from God. It spells out hell and in our lives here while you're on this earth and there for eternity as well. But listen, church, if you, you can get every question in this world wrong, you can marry the wrong person. You can have the wrong 2.5 kids. You can buy the wrong house, buy the, buy the wrong car, take the wrong job. Listen, you can do all these things, but if you get this one question right, amen, it will open up the kingdom of heaven for you. Life Life will be instilled. Life will be placed upon us, church. It's, it's important. I mean, it's important that, it's, that we understand this and it's important that we receive it, but we also need to grab a hold of revelation and what we do with it, amen? Because what you do with it will produce fruit in your life. It'll change your life if we come to this place of knowing who he is, amen? So listen, we're going to go here to, we're going to pick up here in Matthew chapter 16, Amen. Now we started off in Luke chapter nine, but like I said, I thought, you know, we went that direction because I thought it was going to be a, more of a, a shorter message. Amen. But, but the Lord kind of pushed us back over to Matthew chapter 16 so we can kind of dig in just a little bit more because there's a, a little more to this account in, in Matthew's gospel here. So, so starting off here in 16, if I can get to the right page here. Uh, you know, starting off, you know, Jesus, he says here in verse 13 that, that he came to, to the coast of Caesarea Philippi and he began to ask his disciples, he said, whom do people, who do, who do the people say that I am? Why? Because they were going out ministering. He just sent out the 12, he sent out the 70 and he, and these people were ministering, casting out devils, healing the sick. He goes, who do, you've been around all these people. Who do they say that I am? And they, they replied to him and said, well, some, some say you're, you're John the Baptist. Herod believed that. You're John the Baptist raised from the dead. He said, some say you're Elijah, you know, the one that's going to go before the Messiah, who was actually John the Baptist. He said, some say you're just one of the other prophets raised from the dead. And, you know, and Jesus is like, well, you know, praise the Lord. You know, please, people, at least they understand that I'm a prophet. But they've gotten this wrong. They don't, they don't, they don't have a full understanding. How many of you know that, that you've got to have a full understanding of who he is? See, just getting a portion of it right, it's not going to get you anywhere. And we got to have a full revelation knowledge of actually who the Christ is. So he turned to his boys. You know, the, men, the men that, were, you know, that, that have slept with him, that have camped out with him, that have ate with him, that, that have watched him preach you know, amazing sermons, have seen devils fly out of people, have seen you know, the, he, the sick get healed, seen miracles, bread and, 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 uh, bread and fish getting, getting expanded or multiplying. They saw amazing things. And he said, listen, you've been around me for a pretty, good while now now who do you say that i am why because they're they're not accurate who, who do you say who do you say that i am and peter piped up real quick what is that in verse in verse 17 there 
He said, you are the Christ. He said, you are the son of the living God. He said, you are the Christ, meaning what? Meaning you are the anointed one. You are the anointed one that the Father himself has anointed, amen, to bring down here to this earth that's been prophesied throughout the word. The one that is so anointed, he's going to, so perfect that you're going to give up your life and your blood is going to purchase us from the bondage that we have ourselves in. Now, now they didn't have that full revelation. Jesus was beginning to train them on that. But he knew you are the one that's anointed to do exactly what the Father has, has for us, to redeem us, to redeem a people. Now, they didn't quite understand how he was going to do it. Amen. But he knew he was the Christ. He was the son of the living God. Listen, church, this is the story. This is the, this is the revelation of the Old Testament, of the Old Covenant. That what? That, that Yahweh is going to send a son. And in his seed into this, into this world. And he is God with us. He is, he is the one who saved. He is Yeshua. He is Jesus Messiah, as the Hebrews say, or as the Greek says, Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Christ, the anointed one that is anointed in his anointing, amen? But how many of y'all know that he's not just the Christ? He's also the son of the living God. He's not just the Christ, he's also the son of the living God. You say, why, why are these things important? Because listen, church, just about every, every religion around the world, you know, they, they, they believe in a, a Messiah or a Savior, someone that's going to come redeem from darkness or redeem from wickedness. The, the whole world knows there's, there's darkness and there's light. They know there's, there's good and there's evil. They, the, the world knows that every religion knows, knows these things and they understand these things. But what gave them the notion to believe for, for a savior? What, what gave religion as a whole? Why, why do, are they believing? What do they believe? Why do, why do we have films nowadays that, or I guess we probably had them ever since films existed. Why do we have films that have superheroes in them? I mean, why, what, why, is there, why is there a man or a woman that has supernatural powers, amen, that's been placed upon them to go do what? To go deliver a city, to go deliver a people from darkness, amen? Why, why are there? Why? Because there's evil, <laughs> amen? There's evil, and man has always looked for a savior. Unfortunately, now, I mean, these superhero shows, you need to mind yourself as you're watching them. Why? Because they, they all have their own message nowadays, right? It's not just about good against evil. Now the good is trying to, trying to give their, their, their perverse, progressive ideologies to try to manipulate a younger generation, and not just a younger generation, many of the older people that watch it as well. Hmm? Darkness has even infiltrated the light in our, in our films, right? But why does the world hope? Why, why, why does the world desire? Why does the world need a savior? Why are these things important? Because mankind has always known they were fallen. Hmm? Mankind has always known they were fallen. They've always known these things. Man has always looked for a way back. A way back into communion, a way back into union with, with the creator, with, with God. They've always worshipped God or a God. They've always worshipped. They've always, they've always desired to have or had a desire to be in union. You say, why is that? Because this is why we were created. You were created for union. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. You were created for union with God. It is, it is a desire. I mean, church, every, the, the kingdom is only about union. This is what the kingdom of God is about. Listen, if, you, if we can hone in and focus in on that, listen, it'll solve a lot of our problems. It's, it's only, it's always about you. And you say, well, well, what about the atheist? You have all these atheists running around. They, they don't believe in God. You know, you know, the word atheist, it's either from the Greek or the Latin, you know, where they put the A in front of the word. So it means no theos or no theo, no, no God. You know, so is, is there really a such thing as an atheist? I'm going to tell you something. There is no such thing as an atheist church. There is no such thing as a person who doesn't believe in God. There is no such thing as it. There can't be. Why? Because there is an innate desire God has placed on the inside of us to seek him. You say, well, what is atheism then? It's, it's a convenient theology. 
It's a convenient theology, full stop. For what? For people de describing or hoping that there is not a God that has the ability to place them in eternal separation or eternal hell. Why? Because they are in full-blown bride and they're in full-blown rebellion. Amen. So they're going to say, listen, I'll make my, up my own religion, hoping to, that if I do this, just hoping, hoping, hoping that it's not, that it's true what I believe. Why? Because I know where I'm destined to. Amen. It's simple, church. It's as simple as that. I mean, there is full-blown pride and rebellion as the one that they serve. Hmm? They just don't want us to deny it. It's not like how Andrew Womack says it, you know. You know, he was a, he was a, uh, a veteran from the Vietnam War. He was, in, he was in the Army, I believe it was, back in, in the U.S. And listen, the, the, the Vietnam War was, was, a, was a rank war in the United States. It was not, it was not something that it was a blessing to, to our nation or the people that were involved on both sides. You know, it was, it was, pretty, it was a pretty rough and he was a Christian at this time, and he, when he was in the war, so he'd have Bible studies and have different things going on. I mean, I don't even think he carried a weapon, you know, but, he, but he committed himself. He said, I'll go. He got drafted, so he went. You know, and as he's having these Bible studies, listen, hardly anyone would show up to him, right? Because you got all these tough guys that are wanting to give their life for the country and, and mow down all the Viet Cong and all this different stuff going on, and, and no one wanted to go to the Bible study. And listen, people, he'd come up, listen, why don't you come? Why don't you come get right? He goes, man, I'm an atheist. I'm an atheist. I'm an atheist. Everyone said, I'm an atheist. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. There is no God. I don't believe in all that stuff. That's why we're out here. I'm, we're right here to have fun. Let's go kill people. He said, but listen, when you, get, when you get in the middle of the trench, when you get in the trenches, you have bullets whizzing by your ear. You have grenades blowing up next to you. You have bombs being dropped all around. He said, man, I was in full-blown peace. But he said, I'll tell you, all those atheists, so-called claiming to be atheists, were crying out to God. Oh, God, save me from this. God, you know, whatever I need to do, just get me out of this place. They're crying out. Why? Because God has placed an innate desire on the inside of each and every one of us. There is no denial of him. You can rebel against him. Amen. But we all have, a, we all have this thing, amen, that God's placed on the inside of us to, to seek him, to seek him, to cry out. It's instinctive. I mean, we just got to learn to yield unto it instead of pushing back against it. Begin to yield unto it. Listen, he says here in, what verse is that? He said, you are the Christ. He said, you're the, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. He goes, for flesh and blood, flesh and blood, it didn't reveal this unto you, but, but my Father who is in heaven, he revealed this unto you. I'm telling you, that's beautiful. Anyone, anyone know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Anyone know that he, is, that he is the Christ, he is the Son of God? So you didn't get that by a man telling you. You didn't get that by me telling you. You didn't get that by a preacher on your favorite television show telling you. No, you got that from the Father himself. Amen. Holy Spirit you know, gave you this information. This is how faith got ignited on the inside of you. And then you received what Jesus did for you. I mean, that, that's a word from God. People say, oh, I can't hear from God. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. If, you, if you've gotten saved, if you got reborn, I mean, you've, you've heard the greatest thing from God that you'll ever hear. Amen. Now it's time to hone those things in. He says, he says but flesh and blood didn't reveal this unto you. He goes, but my Father, my Father, which is in heaven. He says, and I say unto you, you are Peter, you are, you are Petros. You are a rock, you're a little stone, he says. But upon this rock, upon this Petra, upon this, upon this great big boulder, this rock like Gibraltar, he goes, he goes, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You say, well, well, did he build, did he build a church on Peter? Is he that rock? No, he's the little stone. He didn't build it upon Peter. He's not going to build his church upon a man. He built this he church on what? On the revelation of who Jesus is. That is the rock of Gibraltar. I mean, he built it on the revelation of who the Christ is. I mean, who Jesus is, the, the son of the living God, the Christ, the Messiah himself. Amen. You want to know how you keep, you want to know how you keep darkness, the gates of hell from, from prevailing or overpowering the ecclesia, the church? Anyone remember what the ecclesia is? That, that's the church. 
Amen, that's what Jesus chose to call us. It is the called out ones, the called out ones that Jesus has called to change the spiritual climate and everywhere we are, you're, ch- you're called to change the spiritual climate in Mobile and in Derry and in Limavati and every different place you're in. Why? Because you're the called out ones put in a specific place to change the spiritual climate. Why? So the natural climate can get changed. Amen, but it starts in the spirit. So how do, we keep, how do we keep the gates of hell from, from overpowering, from progressing or prevailing against the ecclesia, against us? Not this building, against us. How, how do we do that? How, what do we do? I mean, listen, it's, it blows me away. It's like, I, you know, you, I've been hearing all these crazy things here the last, the last three, four, you know, five days, last couple of weeks. It's like, oh, you know, Halloween's here. You know, you got all the witches. You got people casting spells. There's going to be a lot of people being sick. There's all this, that, and the other going on church. That is the stupidest stuff I've ever heard in my life. That's people that don't believe what Jesus said. Hey, Amen. You say, well, well, and, and then darkness real, and the real darkness, and the real. Yeah, there's real power. There's real darkness there. Amen. But you can't, you can't curse what God's blessed. He said He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, and we're not gonna be blessed. It's who we are right now. You don't have to be in fear of darkness. You don't have to be in fear of the occult. You don't have to be in fear of the Satanists. You don't have to be in fear of the witches and the Wiccan and, and the Druids and everything else. That's right. You don't have to be in fear of that stuff. No, no, step in the word of God. This is what he's talking about. How do you keep that darkness from pushing you, getting you in fear till you receive everything that they're trying to push upon you? And we can see, listen, the curses work if what? If you yield yourself unto it. Amen. I'm telling you, I've probably been, I've probably been cursed by, by I don't know how many people, probably a lot of people from the church as well. Amen. But it has no power over me. Right? Why? He's redeemed me. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. I'm redeemed from the curse. There is no curse I can come against me. I'm a son of the living God. I'm a, I am a king and a priest of the living God. So are you. So are you. But we got to know that. We got to know that. How do you keep it from prevailing against you? You submit yourself unto this, unto this revelation. You submit yourself and what? Into the anointed one. You're not the anointed one. Don't get in so much pride. Think you know you know more than than what the Word of God has to say. Amen. No, you submit yourself to the anointed one. Amen. The Son of the Living God. Hmm. That's how you keep, that's how you keep it from coming against you and your brothers and sisters. We got to get submitted, church. Say submitted. Amen. We got to be a submitted people. Amen. Yeah, we submit one to another. Praise God. We firstly we gotta get, learn how to get submitted unto Him. Then you'll find it easy to submit to one another. Hmm? But it starts with Him first. It starts with Him first. He says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. He says, I say, you are Peter, and upon this rock, upon this revelation, he goes, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. He says, I'll give you the keys. Unto, who does he say he's going to give it to he says, I'm going to give it unto thee. I'm going to give it unto you, the keys, the ones that have this revelation. I'm going to give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth, he says, it's going to be loosed in heaven. You say, what, what, are, the, what are the keys of the kingdom? What, what is this keys that he said, listen, if you'll submit yourself unto the heart of this revelation of who I am, Amen. That I am the Christ. I am the son of the living God. Not just who you want me to be. Not just who you desire me to be. Not just your genie in the bottle. But, but, exact, but if you will submit yourself unto me being the Christ, the son of the living God. He says, then I'll give you the keys. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. What do those keys represent? It doesn't mean you're going to be dangling around with a, with a brand new set of keys in your pocket. You're not going to become a latchkey kid. Y'all know what that is over here? You know, kids, uh, you know, well, I guess in my generation, we grew up wearing little keys around your, around your neck because your parents were off working. That's how you got in the house when you got home from school. All right? And he's not making us into a latchkey kid. And he says, I'm going to give you the keys. Power. I'm going to give you authority. You say, is it revelation? Yeah, it's a revelation. 
Amen. But it's a revelation with power. It's a revelation with authority. He said, if you can, if you can submit yourself unto this revelation, he goes, I'm going to give you power and authority. The things that you speak here on this earth, it's going to be backed up in heaven. You loose things, it's going to be loose in heaven. You bind it, it's going to be bound in heaven. You will have the authority to do those things. You will have the power to do those things. What you speak here on this earth, the earth will have to obey. So I know that's real far-fetched for a lot of Christianity nowadays. Amen, but, what, but this is what Jesus is saying. Listen, what you speak here on this earth, he goes, it has to obey. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven's backing it up. Hmm? See, if we can just place our faith, if we can get back to the place of placing our faith in who Jesus really is instead of putting our faith in religion, I'm telling you, you'll find out the kingdom of heaven is opened up for you. You'll find out the kingdom of heaven is in you. You'll find out that kingdom of heaven is invading this earth. But it can only do it through you. It's going to do it through you. And how's it going to do that? Through the revelation of who he is. Through the revelation of who he is. So he said, listen, don't, don't tell. In verse 20, he said, don't tell anyone about this. Don't tell anyone I'm, I'm the Christ yet because I still got some things I got to do before, before this takes place. And then verse 21, he says, from that time forth, he says, Jesus, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and, and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. You know, you want to know what the main distinguishing factor, the main distinguishing difference between the religions of the world and the way that, that the Father has designed us to serve him? You want, to know, you want to know the difference in that? You want to know the difference in, in our Messiah and the Christ and them? Listen, the main difference is death. Death in Christianity, death in, in the way, if you will. Death produces newness of life. This is the main difference, that through death, it will produce life. Through death, it produces life. Listen, understand, you got to understand the simple truth here. Because if we don't understand that this is what separates us, you will never understand that most religions are simply just a manipulation of the word of God. Hmm? You go, go study through most of the religions that are out there. Most of them, if not all of them, are simply a manipulation of the word of God. Why? To get people off track, to get people on the offensive against the Father. Amen. Instead of working with them. I mean, it's a manipulation. I mean, you hear people, you know, say, say, say these things all the time, you know, but, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, uh, well, uh, maybe, 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 maybe the Messiah is going to come if we'll attack this nation. Maybe, maybe if we, if we go destroy Israel, amen, then the Mahdi's going to come back. Then, then Messiah's going to come back. Well, listen, I'm going to tell you, just like was prophesied, what, two or three times in our service on Sunday, listen, the Lord said, what I have spoken will come to pass says the Lord. So well, listen, when these religions are believing about a Messiah that's coming, they're absolutely right. Messiah's coming. Amen. They're just going to be on the wrong side of that. Amen. Why? Because they've been manipulated. They've listened to the lie. They've listened to the angel that's preached a different gospel. Amen. It's manipulated that, that, oh, if we do this, Messiah's coming. You're absolutely right. You do that, Messiah is coming. Amen. But you're going to be on the wrong side of that. He's coming to protect what you're trying to destroy. He's coming to protect the apple of his eye. I mean, if you're on the wrong side of that, it spells bad news for you. Amen. It's merely just a manipulation. But we, got, we have to understand these things. Religion says, sure, you want a Messiah? That's grand. We want a Messiah too? That's grand. There's no, there's no problem with that. We want, we, want, we want a Messiah. We want that. But a Messiah that's the son of God? A Messiah that's a son of God that's going to die for you? Mm, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. That's not how God responds to man. That's not how God will interact with man. Church, that's exactly how God interacts with man. That's exactly how the God of love interacts with man. I mean, so we think God is a God that's just pouring out love. Pouring, no, no, God doesn't pour out. But God's not giving. No, God is love. 
It's not something he gives. It's what he radiates. It's who he is. It's the very fabric of his being, according to the word of God. Amen. Do you think there can be any greater love than Yahweh? Hmm? Can there be any greater love than him? Oh, you don't know how I love, Pastor. Now, do you think you can, there's greater love than him? He is love. He is the def- definition of love. According to, to what 1 John 4, 7 and 8, he says, Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone that, is, that loveth is born of God. He's reborn. He's born of heaven. He's born of God. And he knows God. He knows God. He is intimate with God. And he says there, he that loveth not knows not God. He's not intimate with God. If you don't have love boiling out of you, he says, you, know not, you, know, you don't know God. You're not intimate with him. Why? Because God is love. God doesn't try to perform love. He is love. And what did Jesus say in John chapter 15, verse, uh, verse 13? There is no greater love than this. Now what? Then a man give up his life for his friends. There is no greater expression of love than this than a man give up his life for his friends. What was Jesus saying? I cannot express, I cannot release a greater love than sacrifice. Sacrifice, death, is the ultimate expression of love to each and every one of us. Now, Satan can manipulate that. If he can manipulate our perceptions to where we think, man, God... God is full of power. Absolutely, we'll agree with that. God is full of power. But then he'll manipulate it to say that his character looks more like man. That God is full of pride. That he's power hungry. That he's non-forgiving. That he's controlling. And it becomes a lot easier for man to follow that. And you say, how is that? Well, look at the world right now. I mean, the religions are growing like, like crazy. How why is it? Because it's easy to believe that. It's easy to believe that manipulation. Why? Because that kind of God looks just like you. Hmm? It looks just like you. And it makes it easy, easy to follow that. Hmm? But this is far from the Jesus of the Bible. This is far from Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God. Let me just say this. Jesus is not insecure. He, he's not insecure. He's not in fear of what people think about him or who he is. He's absolutely content in who he is and who the and who he not who he is created be, but but who he is. He wasn't never. He was never created. He's always been. I mean, but he's content. He's secure in exactly who he is. He knows he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He doesn't need you to say that. He knows he is. Hmm? He knows he's king of kings and Lord of lords. He knows he's alpha and omega. He knows he's the beginning and the end. He knows he is the conqueror. He doesn't need your say so on it. He knows he's already conquered. I mean, he knows his throne is going to be set up in Jerusalem for eternity. He knows this. He doesn't need our okay. He's, he's absolutely secure in who he is. So he began to reveal these things to the disciples. Say, listen, the elders, the chief priests, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna kill me. I'm going to be raised up on the third day. Then what did Peter do? Peter, Peter took him and he began to rebuke him. Saying, be it far from you, Lord. He goes, this shall not be unto you. But Jesus turned to him turned into Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense unto me. For you savor not the things of God, but those things that are of man. You savor not the things of God, but the things that are of man. And then Jesus began to say, if any man will come after me, he goes, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Listen, I love that. After, right after his, his statement, his rebuke that he had to Jesus, Jesus comes out with an if statement. Hmm? He comes up with an if statement. If you're going to follow me. Why? Because Peter wasn't following him at that minute. He says, if you're going to follow me, he says, you're going to have to get something real clear. You're going to have to deny yourself, deny your thoughts, deny your desires, deny what the world has taught you. Take up your cross and you're going to have to begin to follow me. Full stop. 
full stop. Well, why that? Why that if statement come on? Well, look back there in verse 22. Very clear. Jesus, the Messiah, the one that was just revealed by the Father unto Peter, began to rebuke him. Began to, re to rebuke Jesus. I mean, can you believe that? I, can, I mean, can you believe rebuking Jesus, the one that was just called Messiah, the one we've been believing for for thousands of years, the one that's going to redeem us, the God, the creator of the heavens and the earth and everything that dwells within it. He was getting rebuked by his disciple. I mean, it's absolutely insane. Where do we get the audacity, church? Because it's not just Peter. Where do we get the audacity? We think we get to rebuke Jesus. Where do we think that we've become so spiritually mature that we get to rebuke the king? Hmm? I know you people, listen, 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 church. You have no ability to tell Jesus what you're going to do. He's the king. I mean, it's like people walk around and say, no, I'm not going to take that job. I'm going to do this one. I'm not going to move to that city. I'm going to stay here. I'm not going to preach that word. I'm not going to lay hands on those people. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to go to church. I'm going to do what I want to do. And Jesus, you're going you're gonna to listen to it. You're going to do what I say. I mean, we think we are, we are it, it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, this is Christendom nowadays. We think we get to tell the king, we get to tell the Messiah, we get the one that holds us in the palm of his hands, that holds eternity in his hands. No, you don't know what you're doing. I'm going to tell you what's best for me. I'm going to tell you something, you have no right. You have no right to tell him what you're going to do. I mean, if you submit yourself unto him, you have no right to tell him what nation you're going to move to. You have no right to tell him what city you're going to, you have no right to tell him what job you're going to take, what job you're going to leave, how to treat your friend or your neighbor, if you're going to minister to someone, if you're going to heal the sick. You have no right to tell him. It's yes, sir. Yes, sir, Lord, you lead, I'll follow. You lead, I'll follow. That is the appropriate response. Full stop. Full stop. Anything else, you're exalting yourself above him. And that's a dangerous place to be in. That's a dangerous place to be in. I mean, Peter literally just began to rebuke him. He said, no, Peter, no, no, Jesus. Nah, I forbid you to do that. You will not give up your life. You will not let the chief priests and the scribes, you will not go to Jerusalem and let them kill you. Now, people say, oh, well, it's just because Peter had so much love for Jesus. And this is, and listen, um, you know, Peter loved Jesus, yes. Amen. But it's not, he didn't say those things because of his great love he was expressing. He did those things because he thought he knew what was best. He said, Jesus, I don't know what you're talking about, but death is not going to come upon you. You're going to man up. You're going to go. We're going to go into Jerusalem. You're going to become the king that you're supposed to be. You're going to defeat Rome. You're going to drive out Caesar. And we're become the wonderful Israelites that we're called to be. This is what you're going to do, Jesus. You're not going to die. Huh? You're not going to die. You're going to do what I'm telling you to do. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I mean, that is crazy, church. That is absolutely insane. He tells us here in verse 23, what Jesus, how did he reply to him? He said, get behind me. Get behind me, Satan. You're an offense. You're a stumbling block unto me because you don't savor the things of God. But you savor, you, you yield to your minding. You look after the things of man, but not God. Jesus in his, in his scrutiny, in his full-blown security that he has in who he is, responded quickly, precisely to Peter and said, you get behind me, Satan. You get behind me, Satan. Why? Because you're an absolute offense. You're a stumbling block trying to trip me up from what the Father has released me to do. Why? Because you're not, you're not following after the Father. You're not following after Holy Spirit. You're not even following after me. You're following after man. And what man desires for you to do. Hmm? You're going to follow me? 
You have to take up, you're going to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. He goes, I'm calling you to follow me, not ensnare me. I'm calling you to follow me, not ensnare me. So he quickly said, get behind me, Satan. You know, how many of y'all know that Jesus is speaking to the voice that's influencing Peter? I mean, I mean it blows me away within five verses. Within five verses, you can, you can, see, you can see the Father speaking unto, unto, unto Peter. And then within five verses, you hear him yielding himself over to Satan, speaking, speaking the words of the adversary, trying to hinder, trying to stop, trying to come against, trying to oppose the living God in five verses. In five verses. And this is with Jesus right in front of his face. I'm telling you, that's crazy. That's crazy. What do we have our ears open to hear? Huh? So how do we handle this? Because I know you guys have been around it just like I have, you know, people worshiping God, worshiping God, and then five minutes later, they're, you know, they're, they're off, you know, giving you someone, someone some nasty stuff, amen, from the adversary to you. Walk outside the church wall, or the church doors, and man, instantly, you know, uh, you know, the Christian just left, it seems like. What, what, why? What do we do with those things? What do we do when it comes against us? We do exactly what Jesus did. You do exactly what Jesus did. You do not permit Satan to trip you up. Amen. You immediately, and let me, let me just say, you immediately rebuke those words. I'm not saying we be nasty to people. That's not what I'm saying. But you immediately rebuke these words that come against you. Say, why is that? Because listen, these are tares. Amen. Satan speaks to people to get tares to come in, to get tares in your garden. Why? So it can choke out the word of God on the inside of you. Amen. You better learn how to rebuke. You better learn how to stand firm. And I don't care how, how, I don't care how close they are in your family. I don't care how good of a friend they are. Amen. When something from the adversary is coming, you better learn how to grab a hold of it and put it underneath the authority of the word of God. And you better do it quick. Otherwise you receive it. When you receive it, it's sowing a seed. And I'm telling you, those seeds will produce some 30, some 60, some 100-fold as well. This, this is what the adversary is trying to do. This is how he comes to attack. What do you have your ears open to hear? Amen. How many of y'all know that you have a choice to receive those seeds? Hmm? You have the choice. You have a choice what you listen to on the television. You have a choice whose whose company you keep. You have a choice of what family members you want to go you want to go hang out with on a constant basis. You have a choice to do those things. Hmm? You have a choice to do it. Now, on the flip side of that coin, on the flip side of that coin, listen, our tongue is a powerful, powerful weapon. Satan knows this. God knows this. But the church doesn't seem to know it. I mean, our tongue is a powerful weapon. See, Satan can't create, but he'll get you to start speaking things. He'll get you to start creating things. He'll get you to start believing things and confessing things with your mouth, and you'll do the work for him. I mean, why? Because your mouth is a powerful weapon. You know, but, but what does James chapter 3 say there in verse 6 and 8? says, the tongue is a fire. And we talk about fire all the time in this place. And, and this, this right here, it's not talking about that all-consuming fire that's coming to refine you. No, 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 no. No, it's saying your tongue is like a fire. It's like an unquenchable forest fire that's devouring everything it comes into contact with. Saying it's, like it's like a fire. It's a world of iniquity. It says you can tame all the creatures, all the beasts of this world. He says, but you cannot tame your tongue. He says, you cannot tame your tongue. He says, it is unruly, it's evil. It's full of deadly poison. It's full of deadly poison. But listen, church, we got to learn to tame it. We got to learn to tame it. We got to learn to bring it under control. We got to learn to begin to be the people that are like Jesus, where we only do the things we see the Father do and say and speak the things that we hear the Father say. You say, well, how in the world can you do that? The scriptures just say you can't tame it. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Oh, I said, thank God for the Holy Ghost. I mean, you want to learn how to tame your tongue? Thank God for the Holy Ghost. 
I mean, thank God for his word. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Listen, church, the more deeper you come and aware of Holy Spirit and his word that's on the inside of you, the more deeper you come in union with Jesus. Listen, church, you will only have ears for him. And you'll only have a mouth to speak for him. You'll only have a heart that has the desires of Christ because you're consumed with him. But we got to come ever so uh, aware of the union that we're in with him. Listen, church, yeah, I'm telling you myself, I got a sharp, sharp tongue. I got a quick temper and a sharp, sharp tongue. Amen. And I prided myself on that. I prided to be able to destroy people with that tongue, even as a young Christian. Amen, but the more aware I get with Holy Spirit, the more, the more in tune I get with him. Listen, just, just before something, if that fire starts boiling up on the inside of you, before that mouth gets open, I can hear something from the Holy Spirit. He says, shush, shut up. Don't say that. Before hell gets released out of my mouth. Huh? Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Church, we got we to be, be more like, like, like we got to be people of the word. I mean, we got to be people of, of Jude chapter 1, verse 20. Right? Building up yourself in the most holy faith by what? By praying in the Holy Spirit. By praying, by praying. Listen, not only does that, does that provide the perfect prayer and you're praying for things you don't know about church, it gives you a sensitivity to Holy Spirit. You want to you learn how to control yourself? Get intimate with Holy Spirit. Listen, this isn't a, a charismatic thing. This isn't a Pentecostal. It's a Jesus thing. I mean, that, that war in the church needs to cease and desist. Let's get in the word of God and begin to do what he asks us to do. We need to pray, get in communion, get in union with Holy Spirit. To where he instantly, when he speaks, I don't care what's going on around you, you can instantly hear and begin to stop and move forward, back off, go left, go right, do whatever he's asked you to do. Amen. The more time you spend with him, the more time you spend praying in the spirit, the more time you spend in intimacy with Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you something, church. You'll get your emotions under control. You got emotional problems? Get into intimacy with him. I mean, you got, you got pride problems? Get in intimacy with Holy Spirit. I mean, you got anger problems. You got flesh problems. You got a tongue problem. Listen, church, get in the presence of God, his presence will drive these things away. Amen. He'll put them to sleep <laughs> to where they, they don't control you like, like they have been. He says, get behind me, you stinking stumbling block. You that are yielding more to man than God. And then Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. He goes, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Jesus goes on to you, listen, if you want to save your life, you're going to have to lose it. Amen. If you want life, you're going to have to learn to lose it. You're going to have to lose it for my sake, not for your sake. You're going to have to lose it for my sake. How do we how do we find how do we how do we find our lives how do we save our lives? The preceding verse there, you gotta deny yourself. Hmm? Deny your own desires, deny your own wants. You're gonna have to take up your cross and follow Him. You know, how many of you know that Jesus didn't say take up take up my cross? He said take up your cross. And follow me. You say, well, why didn't he say take up my cross? Wasn't he the one that? Because you couldn't bear the cross that he bore. Hmm? You can't bear the cross that he bore. This is why he came. I mean, you couldn't bear the sickness of the world. You can't even bear your own sickness. Your, your own sickness. You can't bear the sin of the world. You, you know, you can't even bear and deal with your own sin. This is why Jesus came. That, that was his cross. He is the spotless lamb. It could, only be, it could only be accomplished by the spotless lamb that gave his blood for it. Amen, but you can do something. You can give your life. Amen, you can deny yourself. You can bear your own death. You can die unto yourself. You can offer up yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, which is your spiritual worship, as another translation says.
Hmm? You want to learn how to worship God? Die. Die unto yourself. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Die unto him daily. That's what I love about Luke, Luke's account there. He says, he says, take up your cross daily. See, much, much of Christianity nowadays, we say, oh, I'll just take up my cross once, and man, everything's going to be grand. No, 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 no. No, Jesus was specific. He says, you're going to have to take, you're going to deny yourself and take up your cross daily. You're going to have to learn to die a thousand deaths, like, like Catherine Kuhlman said. You're going you're to have to learn to die unto yourself. I want to say religiously, but, but often, daily, systematically. It's going to have to become a, a part of our lives. We need to be intentional about it. Be intentional about daily allowing ourselves consciously placing our lives on the altar for him. We're, we have to be conscious about those things. Intentional about those things. Not, not just thinking it's flipping, oh, I, I did, oh, I came up to the, I prayed the prayer once, everything's grand. No, 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 no. Now that's not the lifestyle of a Christian. That's not the lifestyle of the Christian. I'm telling you, church, we've made Christianity into a me, me, me religion where everything is about me. It's a, it's a meocracy or a meology. I remember that's completely the antithesis of what Jesus preached. Jesus didn't say, didn't say anything about you. The only thing he told you to do is die. He said, listen, if you'll die, it'll bring forth life. If you'll die, it'll bring forth life. Jesus told that death brings forth life, not just his death. Hmm? Not just his death. You're going to have to die as well. If you want to live in the resurrected life, his resurrected life, you're going to have to learn how to die his death. Die unto yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. And listen, I, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this. This is, I believe, where the Lord is kind of preparing us and kind of moving us into and talking and discussing a little bit about the teaching of the cross. But listen, I've been... I've been around many preachers, and I've been even one of those preachers that have said these things myself, that we need to learn to get past the cross so we can walk in the resurrection life. We need to move past the cross so we can live in resurrected life. And listen, church, there, there's a truth in that statement. Amen, but it's not the fullness of the truth. Right? Because you're never going to walk you're never going to walk in the full benefits of the resurrection life if you lay down your cross. You can never walk, let me say that again, you can never walk in the full benefits of the resurrected life of Christ if you, do, if you ever lay down your cross. You can't do it. Why? Because it's the death that brings forth life. It's the death that brings forth life. Why? Without the cross, without sacrifice, we become the Western church. We become a Western people to where everything is about material possessions and everything is about bless me, bless me, instead of sacrificial. Hmm? I'm telling you, God, he loves to bless. How many of y'all know that? He loves to pour out blessing. It's holy. But I'm telling you, he loves sacrifice and it's just as holy as his blessings are. It's just as holy as his blessing. Why? Because it is the ultimate expression of love. You want to show Jesus you love him? <laughs> Put yourself on the altar for him. Die into yourself. Die into your desires. Lord, what would you have me to do today? What would you have me to pray? What would you have? Who would you have me to love? Who would you have me to sow into? What would you have me to do? Do you want me to go to church? Do you want me to study your word? What, what would you have me do? I'm putting my life on the altar for you today. I'm going to die so I can pick up your life today and I can walk with you and everything that I'm doing. May we turn, may we return church to, to people that ah, to have a purity, a purity in the cross and never walk past it never leave it, never lay it down so that we may indeed be able to walk in the purity of the resurrection which he has provided for each and every one of us.
may we, may we fall back in love with the cross again and not look at it like something that's need to run past. May we, may we as a people, may we as a people fall back in love with the cross, fall back in what Jesus has done, fall back with it enough to where we'll pick it up and begin to carry it ourselves. I say, give us a hunger, Lord Jesus. Give us a hunger for sacrifice. Give us a hunger for sacrifice. Father, we thank you, Lord. Lord, we glorify you. We magnify your holy name. We thank you, Lord, for what you have done on the cross. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for, for teaching us how to die so that we can indeed live. We thank you, Lord, for teaching us death so that resurrection life can come upon us. Lord, may we, may we fall in love with sacrifice. May we become a sacrifice so that you can indeed sow us into our families, into our cities, into our nations. May we be a seed sown. Hmm. May we be poured out like a drink offering, just as you were, Lord. For we say you are indeed king. You are master. We're following your example. We're not making up a new game. We're not making up a new religion. We say you're master, we follow. You lead, we follow. You lead, we follow. We thank you for it, Lord. We glorify you for it. Awaken the truth of sacrifice on the inside of us. Hmm. Awaken the truths of your sacrifice so that we can offer you up something that will bless you, that will honor you. Hmm. that Jesus shall truly receive a harvest off the seed that you sown. And so we thank you, Lord. We love you. We adore you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your protection. We thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for us. We thank you, Lord, for deliverance. We thank you, Lord, for, for healing us. We thank you, Lord, for your hedge of protection that's around us, Lord. We, hmm. Thank you seems like such a weak word. That's all we have. That's all we have. So we offer you thanks and we offer up our lives unto you. Thanking you, Lord, for this church. Thank you, Lord, for this body, this people you're welding together. We thank you, Lord, for your son. We thank you for Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, we are the ambassadors of Christ representing the kingdom here on this earth. Thank you, Lord, here at Island Church. We are covered by your blood. We are empowered by your word, Lord, and we are anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen.